Hello, and welcome to the HRD Live podcast. This week, I was joined by Amanda Kuzdin, Chief People Officer of SAGE. Amanda and I discussed the mammoth effort behind SAGE's cultural transformation and how it transformed their business and everything from performance management to well-being. Enjoy. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks very much. Good to be here. So first of all, what was the impetus behind the cultural transformation uh, you enacted at SAGE? And it was a number of things, really. The first was that we recognised that the workforce was changing and, and often people talk about many generations mm. in, the work, in the workplace and we literally had everyone from people in their late teens to people in their late 60s working right. together and everything in between. Uh, so we, we recognised we needed to really change and evolve our culture and and create a culture that that really created an environment where everyone of of any age can thrive and and bring their skills and also an organization that people of of all of those generations wanted to work for and so were something attractive right. in so that was that was the first reason the second was we're on a transition to become a, a saas company a very customer centric saas company and that meant we needed to put customers at the heart of everything we do and we've always been very good at customer service but it's moving more to customer success and how we help our customers be successful when they're using our services and solutions and products but also when they just phone us for advice and help and however we work with them so Mm -hmm. it's really been about how we develop a very cultural centric a customer centric mindset in everything we do and how we help everyone whether dealing with a customer directly or not to have that have that mindset at at the front and i think the the final reason was that sage has grown over the last 40 years through acquisition so lots of smaller companies coming together and when those companies come together it means not everything works as seamlessly as it could so in some cases we had different systems different ways of working different policies these different procedures and part of the transformation has, has also been to look at all of those and and to streamline but also to take away what we call pin and pinch points things that don't work as well for some people um, right. so that it's really easy for people to get their jobs done interesting it's funny how you say you have all these different people coming into one place from different groups and different backgrounds what do you think are the the main challenges then when you have them together and how do you how do you go about solving that when you have those different people in the same place i think it's helping it's helping different generations understand how they work together so you know people who've right. been in the people who've been in the workforce for many years will be used to a more hierarchical organization where you ask for you know you ask for permission where you respect people who've been there longer than you who've got more seniority uh, whereas younger people coming into the workforce have that's less important to them. It's more about what you can bring, what ideas and suggestions. So it was helping, it's been helping different generations come together and see the benefits of working together. But also we, we really encourage this concept of you know, great ideas come from anywhere. So, mm. to, so listening to views and opinions, for example, we have a, a diversity and inclusion council and we've made sure that our apprentices are on it mm. because actually that age diversity helps us. So it's not just about getting the most senior people in the room and the people who've been there longest. But how can we get different views and perspectives? So that was one challenge of how we how you, how we recognise that time served and hierarchy aren't necessarily the are going to give us what we want. But also how we develop tools and systems that both gener- that all generations like working with. So for example, we've we've just launched something we're calling High Five, which is our colleague recognition program, and it's it's. Um, 
It's an app that where you can give each other recognition to peers across countries. And we've got some of our workforce. This is fantastic. We're, you know, we're really excited about this. We've really wanted to be able to give recognition to people all across the world. And we've got other generations go, well, why wouldn't I just pick up the phone and say thank you? Or, you know, or, or, or um, you know, go, go over and chat to them. So it's this idea that you're different. People are used to different things and different systems in different ways. And actually, we need a workforce that accommodates all of that so that we can so that managers and leaders can use the tools that mean most for the people they're they're leading rather right. than just one way fits everyone. It's interesting as well how like there tends to be this assumption that different parts of the workforce have totally different needs that millennials will require entirely to do everything by text and it's the complete opposite for people of older generations but it seems to just simply not be the case it's just such a gross generalization right have you found that this they're completely off whack those generalizations i think and it, you're absolutely right it's always dangerous to generalize we mm. have but we have found actually the age differences there is some truth to it that we've oh, okay. needed to watch and observe but actually what we find more interesting is that it's encouraged this mindset of of respecting different views regardless so don't generalize but listen to right. what people are saying take take account of their views understand their needs and do that regardless of age or gender or or background um, but just take each individual for who they are uh, rather than generalizing so that in itself has brought great richness to our culture um, and in terms of how, how we work together and how we achieve things yeah crucially i think that this idea that somehow difference innately means disadvantage but why would that at all be the case you know but on that subject then i know a, a big initiative of yours around values was the big conversation yes. right can you tell yes. me a little bit more about what that was and its purpose yeah so the purpose was that we had reached a point where we decided that the values and behaviors we had had served the purpose but as we were transforming the culture we wanted a different set of values and a different set of behaviors that were much more focused on taking us forward and, and to where we mm -hmm. wanted to be in terms of a SaaS um, company culture so we decided there's there's numerous ways you can do that and in the past the cult, the values and behaviors have very very much decided by the senior leaders and then handed out and everyone starts to um, you know read them understand them and start to think yeah. about how they can follow them and actually we wanted to do something different so we wanted the way we created the values and behaviors to reflect the culture we want to create which is much more inclusive um, and much right. more about getting everyone's views and opinions so we came across the idea of having what we're calling a big conversation because we have 13,000 employees in 24 countries so with all the best will in the world we can't get everyone together um so but we also didn't want this to take months so we didn't we wanted something that we could do quite quickly over a condensed period of time to really get momentum and, and ideas flowing so we came up with the idea of the big conversation which um, was using a technology platform that's moderated by um by facilitators but ena enabled us over a 48 hour period to invite all colleagues across stage to um to to write views and opinions and to share things oh, yeah. and over the course of the 48 hours we started narrowed down to themes and then really started to to look in depth at those themes and what they meant and what people you know, what, what people saw some of the opportunities what they saw some of the challenges what was good about working at sage what wasn't so good and what what, what we could do differently mm -hmm. and it was amazing how some really consistent themes started to develop that over the 48 hours with the help of the facilitators we could really then start to get into more detail so it right. meant in quite a short space of time we gathered an awful lot of data um, that was going to be really useful to us and how we create our values and behaviours. But the one unexpected consequence was 
the way everyone felt included. So a lot of people came and said, could we do more comms that way? You know, it was the first time that I've been able to share my view with such a big group of people. I realized that I, you know, the views I had in Spain were very similar to the views people had in Canada and there was a real connection. So there was a real buzz and actually in terms of participation and the, the, the partner that we work with said for organizations of our size, it was the highest participation they'd seen by far. So wow. people really, really got involved and enjoyed doing it. That's fantastic and such a qualitative kind of insight as well in that way as opposed to just having a kind of form fill or any kind of sort of long distance or long form kind of communication you've created some kind of immediate yeah, feedback think, form yeah, there, and, and has I, that real insight as well and that was what was great because we could pick out words you know so truth came up or care and we could really said what do you mean by that what is what does that mean for you or what what do we do well what could we do differently so we were able to really to really take the conversation and move it on hmm. um, and over the course of over the course of the, the 48 hours we had 9,000 comments uh, 4,000 <laughs> employees engaged in it so it, it meant it was very valid as well we weren't just getting abuse from a few people we were getting something that really represented a broad um, perspective across age. Uh, were you surprised by, you said some general themes kind of emerged there, were you surprised by what they were and, and w- w- was it very unexpected or were you, did you think okay this is kind of how I figured maybe this would We were surprised, yeah we were surprised by a number of things, we were surprised by how people embraced it um, we were surprised by how positive people were on mm. it, so everyone, so often people were identifying problems but they always came up with solutions so we realized something about the people who work at sage that they're very solution oriented that that they see opportunities and but also know how to address those so we realized we had something really powerful in the in our colleague base that we could really really grow and, and take advantage of so that was very positive i think the other thing is we realized we didn't have any underlying cultural problems. So some people talk about toxic right. culture. Some people talk about a culture where you know, ultimately, um, you know, th- things could go con- seriously wrong. And we realised we didn't have any of that. What we had was actually um, a very positive base upon which to build, and some really constructive solutions and ideas around what we could do to improve. So that really surprises, and it gives us an awful lot of of hope and confidence really for what we're mm. going to be able to build over the next few years. So I know another thing that you've been looking at has been performance management as well. Right? And it, again, it's something which I feel like a lot of the leaders I'll speak to struggle with a great deal because there's so many, there are so many more ways of approaching it now, I think in terms of the technology that's available and different schools of thought on that. But what was your approach to changing performance management in Sage? So our approach was really was to throw out everything we knew about performance management and and to, to really look at it very differently so we had always used performance management as a backward looking so looking back over the year what went well what didn't Mm -hmm. go well we had always used it to focus on what could be improved so it inevitably became a somewhat negative conversation even for, for, for great <laughs> it's performers. It's funny that how it somehow becomes innately negative it so does. quickly, right? Because yeah. you're assessing everything. You're assessing yeah. everything, you're justifying why you're giving people the rating you are, right. you're, you're justifying what that means in terms of their salary. And it became it became yeah, quite a negative conversation, even for some of our best performers and of most course. talented people. And it also became a conversation that uh, people... We, we spent a lot of time in the business thinking about the conversations, spending time managing force distribution curves, but none of it was good time. It, you know, it felt like managing a process. Mm-hmm. So we threw all of that out the window and really started to think about what was how we what was wrong with the system and how we could start to think about 
future focus so how we could help people to become even better how we could do it in a way that was more timely there's no point getting feedback on something you did a year ago mm. kind of the impact's gone so how yeah. we could get something that's more timely that's more regular you know goals that you said at the beginning of the year most of them probably aren't relevant 12 months later so we decided to do something that was much more much more about regular conversations so less of the big appraisal and much more around right. regular conversations regular feedback both positive but also improvement but always aimed at getting better how can you help this person become even better with a lot more responsibility for the manager not to point out what was wrong but to ask what you could do differently how can I help how can I support and how we can enable and really you know, enable our colleagues to thrive so it's much more future focused much more regular a regular review of goals so making sure that through oh, the year we could we could change and make amendments mm. as the business needs changed um, but also that really that time together we find what we find is that a lot of managers weren't prioritizing having one-to-ones on a regular basis and that's actually been the power of what we've created is that mechanism right. by which managers realize that a regular monthly or even quarterly one-to-one has much more impact than a big review at the end of the year of course and i suppose you feel as well to some degree like your manager or your company is more invested in your development or if they're taking that time it's that face-to-face time as well and having a conversation right it's so much different than because i personally when it comes to filling in maybe a form yeah, you know, yeah. like i just don't really feel like doing it most of the time but yeah. a conversation i think is always going to be more impactful yeah it is and, and we focused a lot less on the form filling so there's two or three questions that we use the system and they're there yeah. really to prompt the discussion of course yeah and to get you thinking about different things. Um, and we ask managers to write maybe two or three lines, no more. Mm-hmm. Um, so something very quick um, in the moment. So again, it doesn't become a big burden of you know doing year-end reviews right. and having to spend a day writing them all up. It's much more fluid. It's much more in the moment. But it's that record um, that you can keep easily and, and refer back to. Um, and you know, being able to do it on a system, you can do it um, on, a, on an iPhone. You, you can do it in lots of different ways. So it makes it... It makes it, as you say, less about the form filling and more about the conversation. Which yeah, is where we want and making it easier as well. As you say, technology does definitely play a huge part of that as well. Like it, making it mobile enabled, it all seems like such a no-brainer, right? Yeah. Because it makes it so much more immediate. Yeah. You can access it in so many other places in yeah. different ways. But speaking then of of making th- these things easier and, and putting employees first, I know well-being has been important as yeah. well in the, in this kind of transformation that you've gone through so so why was that and then how did it how did it come about well and there's there's always a number of reasons why these things come about one is because if we want to create we talk about creating a culture where our colleagues can thrive and that's what we seek to do in all of our um, in all of our ways of working and the way we train and develop our managers and the way we hire leaders but also we recognize that we needed to create an environment where people could bring their whole selves to work and be Mm -hmm. open and honest and that meant being open and honest where people were suffering and needed help and support so whether it's um, suffering through mental illness whether it's a physical disability we wanted people to be able to be open about that Mm -hmm. and share that because we felt that one if we if we knew early we can often help and support more quickly Um, uh, but also we were realising on the hard side of it we were realising that absence um, and stress related absence is increasingly in most most Mm. workplaces becoming the most common reason for absence was was taking real toll on our business and what we wanted to think about is how we could proactively help and support people who were suffering from stress either by uh, starting to remove those stressors if they were work related or if they weren't work related how we can adopt some early warning signs and then help and support that person to get to get the external help they needed so it was really coming at it from from different angles but understanding if we're really going to create an an organization and a culture where colleagues could thrive we needed to address it 
Mm -hmm. As you say, there is a far more holistic approach, it seems, than simply saying, okay, how can we help you at work? It's all those other factors that can influence it as well. And I suppose having such a varied workforce as well would make a huge difference as well to how you approach well-being. Generally speaking, do you think that when you look at most organizations and and people leaders, do you think our approach to well-being is, um, is largely effective or do you think we've got quite a long way to go? I think we've got a long way to go. I yeah. think we're just starting the conversation, and I think a lot of external organisations, things like the Samaritans, are are you know in mind are bringing a lot more awareness to issues um, and, mm. and challenges that people face in their everyday life. And how I think once we're once we become more open and able to talk about those things, and it's not seen as something that you should be embarrassed about or or hold from your employer, it's something you can share. Then that means we we, we can I think start to as organisations start to to support. And you know, we're not, most organisations are not professionals in in handling uh, mental health and and other challenges. So I think it's about it's it's really about thinking about how we can partner and support people, but then enable them to find the real support we needed. And that's why we brought in a programme called the Mental Health First Aiders Programme. So a bit like we train people, you know, with, with a, a first aid kit and some plasters and bandages and right. you know, but we would ultimately call an ambulance if, if needed. <laughs> and it was that it was that idea that there's somebody that trained people on site that people can go and have a confidential conversation with and then we can if they need more help and support we can point them in the right direction to do that. So that mm-hmm. early warning sign, that early detection. But we also spent more time with our leaders and managers, starting to train them to, to understand, um, you know, to, to, to use the one-to-one conversations and the performance reviews, just to ask how people are um, and to encourage more of a holistic um, view of lifestyle and make sure, you know, if people are burning out, ultimately that's going to be a problem for us and them. So how do we avoid that happening? And one of the areas that we've looked at and I know many other organisations are is, is general health and wellbeing. So we have, you know, wellbeing week where we look at diet and exercise and, and encouraging all of those things again because if people are going to bring their best selves to work they need to they need balance mm-hmm. um, and we need to create an environment where they where they can get that and they're not afraid to ask so how have you set about trying to empower employees at sage people so the empowerment has been around helping people understand where they can make a difference it has been around making sure people are clear on what they're accountable for because accountability is important to be empowered you need to be able to make decisions and and to to um, support those decisions and, and see them through and then also supporting our leaders and managers in the way that they coach and develop to ho- to make sure people do feel they've got the space and empowerment to do things it was interesting it was one of the big things that came out of our big conversation was around people would like to feel more empowered and um, for things they do so we have made some changes to our organization structure so that people are clear on their role and responsibilities so they have we call it freedom within a framework so we're clear on the framework and we're clear on people what what people can't do and what need further approvals or further agreements but ultimately make help people see clearly what where they have got decision making power and and can make those decisions and take them through but also by the mechanisms by which we create opportunities for conversation and dialogue enables people to feel like they've got a voice um, and they can put views forward and then ultimately we help people through for example we we have um through our chief technology officer we run a number of innovation campaigns where we ask people for ideas for new new um 
new services on our products Mm -hmm. different ways of doing things and then we sponsor those innovation ideas as they come through so it's really all about creating this space where people can step in and make ideas and feel empowered to do things differently but holding people accountable for for delivering on those and seeing those through so that people get more confidence the organization gets more confidence that this more empowered way of working actually achieves results and and it enables everyone to step forward then and i think again it allows that transformation to have more of a, a longer shelf life as well i suppose if you're empowering people to to do that kind of, as you say to create these solutions and you become self-sufficient in a sense yeah, i suppose yeah. right so yeah. it's kind of long-lasting transformation on that note for for any people leaders hr leaders that are listening and want to start an enormous transformation like this a cultural transformation but haven't the faintest idea of where to begin what would be your kind of top tip do you think or first tip maybe to, to kind of help them along the way I think it's about observing and listening to your organisation first. I think transformations that aim to completely change every aspect of an organisation in one go rarely work. It's about taking the organisation and the opportunity you've got and thinking about how you can really make that perform at its best. And then looking at the at the areas where you'll have greatest impact and the areas where it may take a longer time, but you can start making some traction. Because I think your organisation transformation is really about unleashing the potential of the organisation, not trying to put a completely different organisation on top of it. Um, and I think you can only get that really by by observing and listening before you jump in so really thinking about what you've got what the potential and what the opportunity is and then how you unleash that i think that that's the best way to get started wonderful amanda thank you so much for joining us in the podcast it's been fantastic and hopefully we can have you back again soon great thanks very much thanks for listening to this episode of the hrd live podcast with amanda kuzdin chief people officer of sage if you enjoyed this episode you could subscribe on hrdconnect.com or via itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts for a new episode every week see you next time